We all pot down here. To die, to sleep no more, and by a sleep, to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And this week we're reviewing New Year's Evil. This movie came out in 1980. Now, I've read it was released five days before New Year's Eve going into 1981, but I also found something else saying the release date was December 19th, 1980, so somewhere at the end of 1980. It's close. Close enough. Yep, indeed. So, a quick overview. So, we have murder at the stroke of midnight in every continental U.S. time zone. Can evil be stopped, or will their plan go off like clockwork? Because fuck Hawaii and Alaska, apparently. Apparently. So our references for this, per usual, are IMDb and Wikipedia. Not much else. I don't think we really looked anywhere else for anything. So yeah, that's where we're at. All right. And cast and crew. So the director was Emmett Alston. It was produced by Yoram Globus and Menahem Golan. It was, screenplay was written by Leonard Neubauer and the cast. So we have Diane Blaze. She was played by Roz Kelly. She was famously known as Carol Pinky Tuscadero in Happy Days, uh, which was Fonzie's significant other. Hey. Hey. We have Evil, who's played by Kip Niven. He was known for the TV show Emergency, uh, the really famous disaster movie Earthquake, and was also in, interestingly, Raising Jeffrey Dahmer. He played an attorney. Then we have Lieutenant Ed Clayton, who was played by Chris Wallace. He was known for The Slap and was also in the Incredible Hulk TV series, the one with Lou Ferrigno. We also have Derek, who's played by Grant Kramer. He was in a lot of the soap opera The Young and the Restless, and most famously for people like us, of course, he was one of the leads in Killer Clowns from Outer Space as Mike Tobacco, and they're Working on a sequel, The Return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's currently in development, and I'm very interested to see that. Yeah, it should be interesting. See Indeed. if that comes to fruition. God, I hope so. Love the movie. And we have Sally, who's played by Louisa Moritz. She was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and you found an interesting fact about her. Yeah, she was one of the first people, actually, to come out and accuse Bill Cosby of rape. So she was one of the kind of spearheaded that whole thing and isn't he out now i think so good for her though yeah a thousand percent certainly applaud her strength to do that because that's not easy all right moving on we have ernie moffat played by jed mills he was mainly known to be in twin peaks and casino we have jane played by tafe o'connell she was in the incredible hulk series as well We have Sergeant Green, who's played by John Green. Convenient. Right. He was in Maniac Cop. Absolute classic. We have Terry Copley, who's as the teenage girl. She didn't have a name in the movie. She was in We've Got It Made. We have Lisa, played by Anita Crane. This is literally her only film credit. We have Nurse Robbie, played by Jenny Anderson. Not a lot of credits for her. Uh, We have Yvonne, played by Alicia Donifu. A couple other minor credits, not not a whole lot, really. 
And finally, we have Dr. Reed, played by John Alderman. In a lot of stuff, a lot of different TV series and whatnot, but is also known to have been in a lot of porn in the 80s. Good for him. Indeed. So with that, I say let's move into our spoiler-free review. So again, we will have our spoiler review where we go into a lot more depth, but just kind of our general overview of what we thought of it. So I thought it was okay. Not terrible. Not great. It felt like... It wanted to be a slasher with a deeper plot than I feel like it had. It felt like they just kind of threw together a meaning for it, but really the goal of it was like, let's have a slasher without really much substance, which I feel like you can have in certain scenarios, like with Michael Myers. I mean, there is something to it, but at the same time, there's just not like a big reason why he started doing this. Whereas with this, it felt like there was supposed to be a reason behind the killing, but it didn't really make sense. And we'll get into, obviously, more details about that in a bit. But overall, like I said, I think it was okay. It wasn't great, though. It just not something I'd probably watch again, at least. Unless it was like a bunch of people got together and we wanted to watch it. But it wasn't really scary. It's not really gory. I mean, there's a couple scenes with blood. But, I mean, it's pretty minor. It's not like a fucking bloodbath or anything. It's actually relatively riffable, I think. Yeah, no, we had fun riffing it. You and I had a great time actually We doing certainly that. did. But overall, like as a film, I don't think it was that great. It held my attention just enough, but eh. They tried to put a slasher movie around a holiday theme. You know, they're shooting- They're capitalizing on literally Halloween and yeah, you know, they're, they're other, tr- other holiday movies like that. Black yeah, they're trying, to, they're trying to do a holiday slasher in, an, in the era of when slashers are really becoming a thing. And this isn't really the best example of those. Hence why you may not have heard of it. But overall, like, I don't, I mean, it's not really, it wasn't really scary. The only thing, one redeeming quality I actually think it had was the music, because it's, it's based in Los Angeles doing a countdown to New Year's Eve, but they're announcing it for each time zone, which always living on the East Coast, I don't know if that's just the thing they do in California, but we never did that. Although I used to have fun with when it would hit midnight, I would call my friends in California and let them know that I was calling them from the future. Because <laughs> I thought I was real funny. I was like 12. I mean, we've been overseas and places like Europe and Japan were definitely farther in the future. Yeah, both politically, technology-wise. I mean, mm-hmm. wherever. <laughs> and then we come back. We come back. Yeah, back to the Jesus Christ. Da, 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 da. Anyway, so, but yeah, it's, so it's based on them having this countdown. There's uh, the main character, Blaze, is Diane Sullivan, I think her name. Yeah, and she says, you know, she's basically hosting this midnight countdown, and it's being aired all over the place. I guess she's this famous personality. It seems like she has kind of a, a show where shows a lot of, like, punkish kind of bands, stuff like that, kind of like a musical-based program, and sounds like she has nationwide acclaim, and she's hosting a New Year's show. And she has some live bands that are playing songs throughout it, and which some of the music was actually pretty solid. Like yeah, that's so what I was like. I was like, this was like the one really redeeming quality. So I was like, I actually enjoyed the music of this. A yeah, bit, me so. too. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. I read some reviews where that was kind of like the negative point of it. I feel like that was the negative point for those folks because they aren't into that kind of music, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like for people like us who are really into like rock and heavy metal, a lot of this t- this era in 1980 is when a lot of things were really starting. You know, Iron Maiden hadn't been around very long. Judas Priest had only done a couple albums at this point. Like, the one band sounded a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit like Rock and Roll era Priest and whatnot from 76. So Yeah, so it, we, we like that. We'll just yeah. say that. So we, we enjoyed that part of it. But As an actual movie, 
it was just a relatively slow slasher. The plot wasn't great, like you said. There were a lot of kind of slower points to it. You kind of didn't know what the point actually was most of the time. And then when you hear what the point is, like, all right. Whatever. Yeah, because like, well, the general point is that there's a guy who calls into this. I guess supposed to be them calling in, ask, saying what they think the best song of the year was, and he calls in basically with his voice changer, saying how he's, you know, gonna his New Year's resolution. He's gonna kill at midnight, and he's gonna kill at midnight each time zone. When I read the premise of this movie, I thought it was literally a guy like that was going between each time zone. And I was like, how the hell is he moving that fast? Like this dude doesn't have a TARDIS. He doesn't have like transporters, you know, from Star Trek, like. There's no logical reason he can move this fast. And I realized, oh no, he actually is in LA and he's just killing on the other time zones. It would have been more interesting if they would have had, if he would have had accomplices in each time zone killing somebody at the party where she was broadcasting from. Yeah. And just have like somebody getting killed in those areas. That would have been really interesting and been really logistically interesting. Yeah, I think that would have definitely been more interesting, though it would have not really fed into this plot. But I think one plot. I, yeah, I know, but still, I'm just saying it wasn't much of a solidified plot in this movie. Yeah, I think the most fun we had was a with the music and b with our you know comment, running commentary of riffing this movie. This was a movie that I would love to see riffed by like you know the Mads or someone if they could get the rights to it. The Mads riff tracks. Anybody, really, yeah. it deserves to be riffed. Honestly, also, a lot of the characters, usually in some movies like this, you want to either feel some sort of sympathy towards the characters or complete and utter disdain for the characters. Like, you're actually rooting for the killer and the massacre of them. Some of these people, I just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I didn't give a shit one way or another about any of them. I mean, the most shits I gave was about the musicians. Yeah, none of them, you know, as long as they didn't make get killed, then I, I was good. Yep, that was pretty much about it. So, anything else you want to say before we go into our spoiler review? I would just say, if you want to watch something thematic to New Year's, I haven't seen a whole ton of horror that's based around it. I know in our research we saw a couple other flicks that are around it, but it's not like, obviously, Halloween or Christmas actually has quite a bit, as we have done with some previous episodes, and we've barely scratched the surface. For New Year's, there's not really a lot. If you want something thematic, I don't think you're going to hate yourself. Like ter- Terror Train would have been a better choice. It might have been. I don't know if you're going to hate yourself for watching this. No, you're not going to watch it and be like, why did I waste this time? This no. would be a good movie to watch on, like, counting down to New Year's. With a group of friends. With a group of friends that are good at riffing Cracking stuff. jokes, yeah. It's that kind of flick. It's It has its moments... I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It just kind of exists. It's yeah. kind of in the middle. It's not great, not bad, but it has its fun moments. So I'd say it's worth a watch. You might get out of more out of it than we did. So yeah, give maybe it a go. this is your favorite movie and you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, all, all the power to you. Yep. All right, so getting into our spoiler review. So again, if you want to watch this first and not have it spoiled, really, I, I honestly feel like that I kind of spoiled it for myself anyway on accident. So if I don't think it took away from the movie if it's spoiled. It's not some big reveal. So, but again, if you don't want it spoiled, this is the time to pause. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So the immediate spoiler, I'm just going to throw it out there, is that we find out that this is Blaze's husband, which I figured out very early on because she made some comment about Richard. And the problem is if you look at the Wikipedia page, it says... Richard Sullivan, and then in quotes, evil, which is what the guy with the voice changer refers to himself as. So I was like, ah, shit. I was like, I think I spoiled this for myself. But again, it didn't end up being that big of a reveal. 
I felt like. Because a lot of this movie, I, I, I don't know how to describe it even. She had mentioned her son, Derek. Derek was there at the beginning of the movie. He had gotten a part in the TV series, but she's totally ignoring him. She's focused on doing her show. She's talking to her manager and stuff like that. So he seems a bit pissy that she's ignoring him. But she mentioned Richard, so it's it's like, you know there's some other character out there. So. Well, she mentioned she couldn't get a hold of Richard because mm-hmm. he was like, she thought he was doing coke in like Palm Springs or something, which I was like, <laughs> yeah. wonderful. We're Sounds already, like a champ. Yeah, so we're already starting us off with definitely winter parents. But I, just, I guess my thing with a lot of it was I felt like that we don't really get, we get the background that obviously she's kind of ignoring Derek, which is pissing him off. But I also feel like if this was like her one huge night of the year, yeah, she may not be as focused on whatever he's talking about. She's you know, really busy with something. She even told him, uh, you know, that's great. We can talk about it after dinner. We'll have dinner afterwards. We'll talk about it. And she doesn't seem like she's a bad mom or something. She's but we also person. don't know. There's no like flashbacks to see that she was doing that. Like that later on, this has happened before. Maybe in that later on when they would have their dinner, she continues to ignore him. And maybe this has been an ongoing thing. So maybe she is a shit mom. I don't know. But with the little bit of information we're given in this part, if that's all we know, I don't feel like she's doing anything that horrific. Yeah, she's ignoring a little bit. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. But he's also not like five. Mm -hmm. He's clearly an adult. So it's like, okay, if your mom always ignores you a bit and you're not over it by this age... And it seems like that'd be something you're used to, which would be annoying, but it's, again... I need an adult. I need an adult. (laughs) But it just felt like that, I guess from what we've learned, is that she seems to be the breadwinner, and the husband is doing this because he feels that he has to get an allowance from her, and that she's, like, castrating him in the sun. And I'm like, clearly this kid is an adult. It's their kid. It's not like they married later on. And he talks about, like, oh, you're just like all the other women and stuff, and you're just like all of them. And this feels like the kind of thing that someone would be saying year, like, within, like, a year or two of being with someone. Not something that clearly you've been together for probably, like, 20-plus years. We also find out that he was also a patient at the sanitarium where he murdered the nurse. Yeah, so he was a patient there. We don't know when. Was this, like, long before they ever met somehow? That, like, when he was, like, a teenager he was there? Was this something where he's had breakdowns before? We don't know. That's why, again, I feel like that part of the plot was just kind of slapped together and hope we'll make that work. And I don't expect a movie like this to have a really insanely connected deep backstory, but explain things a little better just so we can kind of get a grip of context, which there isn't a lot of in this movie, and it really hurts it. Yeah. And I feel like I know that there's cases where people just out of the blue, you find out that they're terrible and whatnot. I mean, like we've mentioned before, the Golden State Killer, just like out of the blue, it seemed like, I mean, like he wasn't killing out of the blue, but for the family, this was out of the blue for them. He was like a loving father, never had a problem, you know? Yeah. His behavior was frighteningly normal. Yeah. And then he was like this rapist, murderer, serial killer. I mean, it's insane. But I feel like with this, it's still just for a movie. I feel like you need to have more, though. You need to have some kind of, like, yeah, he was a patient at the sanitarium, but when was that? Was it something where he's been in and out of there, he's been having problems, and she's like, oh, gosh, we should have sent him back there. He's been acting weird or something, but... Have the police investigated a little bit. The police have a very significant presence in this movie, so when they kind of start connecting the dots, do a bit of research, oh, he was, this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, this is making a lot more sense. Yeah, but it just I'm felt, okay with that. Yeah, but for this, it just felt like that 
it was like, okay, he was at the sanitarium once, so that's the connection there. Yep, he was at a sanitarium. That means he's batshit fucked forever. Not really, shouldn't be the case at all. But No, plenty of people have had stays in mental health locations, and it doesn't mean that they're, like, off their rocker. Of course. He just needs some help. Yeah. And it seemed like the son also was having problems. You see him take, like, these three giant pink pills, which you don't even really figure out what those are supposed to be for. And he's and taking, like, a fucking... The, the, red, the red pantyhose stocking. And... It did, but the thing is, the way he was, like, cutting it up and stuff, I guess it was supposed to be pantyhose, like, you know, and they pull over their mm-hmm. face like they would, like, you know, if they're Robin's shit. Except that it was, like, one size too small for his head, so his nose is, like, all smashed. And I expect him to start going, Goodbye, horses. Good Lord. But I guess... My thing with this kid, though, was that he clearly, it's alluding to the fact that there's some kind of mental health issue that the dad has, and the kid probably has it too, and they're all mad at mommy for whatever reason. Freud would have a goddamn field day here. But at one point, the kid even comes down, he's got these weird glasses that go around the side of his face, and you look at it, you're like, Jordy LaForge? What are you doing here? He had Jordy LaForge visor on his face. It was ridiculous. So, like, later when the police come up there, I'm assuming he's going to still have said pantyhose and visor, and the police are going to shoot and kill him. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. And then, of course, you know, these totally normal when the mom walks in, and I'm like, all mm-hmm. right, I guess we're done with pantyhose time, so. But when he was cutting it up, I thought it was some other kind of weird piece of fabric. Like, something, I thought he was kind of like a dress or something. It was really bizarre, The like, the material didn't look like pantyhose. But he's just, like, tearing at it and stuff and, like, biting at it. And <laughs> He's pulling it over his head. It's, like, ripping. And he put, like, like you pins show that through fabric. it to make it look like earrings. And he was definitely having a dead bit of a breakdown. Yeah, again, all over it seems like the fact that he got some role in some show all by himself because he wasn't Blazer's little boy, as the dad said. And it's like, yeah, but she's like, they know this is like one of her biggest nights of the year, it seems like. So, yeah, she might be a little focused on trying to get ready for that. I'm sorry, I just, I can't sympathize too much unless we could have more backstory to know that she has always been shit to them. And his whole definition of like, she's been terrible has been like that he's had to have an allowance, which leads me to believe I'm like, okay, you're not working, so she gives you the money. So what's the problem here? What are you complaining about, douche nozzle? Yeah. If you didn't have to work and you had to get your money from me, I don't think you'd say a fucking word. You'd be like, great. No. I I'm wouldn't not give working. a shit. And clearly, apparently, she thought he was down in like Palm Springs doing coke, so clearly he wasn't that broke. Clearly, she's funding said coke binge, so... Except it was a murder binge this time, but... Yep. Maybe both. But I think he had a much better life than he was leading on, but he was also whacked out of his... His noggin. I also think the son looked a lot like a Stretch Armstrong doll, but the way he was made up with the hair sweep and everything, I just expected them to start stretching his limbs out and shoot him off like a slingshot. Yeah. And then there was also the guy that was asking for everyone's tickets. I guess he was one of like the security people, but he looked like Paul Blart, <laughs> but he seemed a lot more out of it. Yeah. But the main thing I took away from this movie, like I take away from almost every kind of movie like this, is lock your damn doors because we start out with the movie with Yvonne being our first kill and her not locking the doors. So, And we were watching that scene really closely. We were around it a few times. Yeah, I wanted to see if like the door, because the way the handle was jiggled, I thought that she the door was locked and whoever was doing it had a key and was getting in. But the lock, the, the twist lock was never turned. Yeah, so it was she, always the same position. Yeah, so she clearly, whoever got in there, snuck in there, somehow got in the bathroom with her. And of course, this is also why whenever I go into like bathrooms and hotel rooms, like the curtain must be open like all the time. Like if I get in there and it's closed, I'm like, nope, open back up. It's like, Mm-mm. is Norman here? Because it, like, it's like the psycho shower scene, but 
awful. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so she's our first kill. And again, I'm remind as like I said, I remind everyone, lock your damn doors and keep your shower curtains open. Yep. Norman's gone punk rock apparently. Yeah. And then we really go into the theme song New Year's Evil. Which I liked. Yeah. It was performed by Shadow. Now they say that, but they also say Shadow was the band playing there, so I wasn't sure if Shadow was supposed to be a real band or if that was just the name of the band that was the fake band for this. I never figured that part out. Yeah, because the two bands they mentioned were Shadow and Made in Japan. Yeah. Speaking of bands also, when the first caller calls in, I did enjoy that the they were asking like, you know, what they felt the song of the year should be. And she's said, We don't need no education, which is actually the lyric of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall. So rather fitting. I thought that was a real funny joke that they put in there. But I just, I remember we were sitting there watching it and I was like, I was like, wait a minute, that's not the name of the song. That's just the lyric from the song. Uh, But we still don't need no education. That's why people voted for Trump. (laughs) I digress. Anyways, so of course, then the next call is Mr. Evil himself. And when he said something about being evil, the way he said it, all I could think of was Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. Evil! Evil! <laughs> as soon as I heard that man's voice, I just kind of lost my mind because the murderer calls with a voice changer of some sort. He sounded just like Richard Karen, who was known for his very, very unique voice. And if you've ever seen the movie Fatso, comedy classic with Dom DeLuise, there's a part where he just goes, Get the honey! (laughs) And it's the only thing I could think of is this really big guy with a handlebar mustache screaming at this this really smaller guy to get the honey. And that's the only thing I could think of every time they did this voice. Yeah, so it wasn't really striking fear into your heart. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, when this guy asked you to get the honey, you better fucking get the honey. Because he was going to tear your ass apart. Yeah, but I'm just saying that you hearing this voice was, you weren't thinking like, I'm scared now. No, Like, this voice is just making you laugh. You ever suck the jelly out of a jelly donut and fill it with chocolate ice cream? Jesus Christ. Anyway. I know you haven't seen Fatso yet, but it's so good. But yeah, every this guy struck no fear in me whatsoever because that's all I could think of. Imagine being in that position, like assuming she had seen that movie and thinking of that, and then she just starts fucking laughing with this dude. Like, <laughs> and now we know, obviously, being the husband, man, he'd be fucking pissed because he already feels like she's demasculated him for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's like get a job if you feel so demasculated. Like George Lucas said, get a job. That's that's what I was trying to mimic, but you do it better. Get than me. a job. I love they Those put guys it. make a thousand bucks. Look at that guy, like a thousand bucks. <laughs> For those that don't know, there's a video where George Lucas has all these like the autograph hounds come to like get him to sign stuff so they can then sell it on eBay. And he's got like his huge bodyguard with him. He could make them stop, but he just keeps fucking signing and they'll be like, these people need to get a job, but like it's keep mu- signing. It's muscle memory at this point. And I understand he's. Like he wants to sign autographs for actual fans. He's going and saying, like, you're not actual fans. You're just trying to make money off of me. But like, he's still signing. But he's, but he's signing. He just signs everything. They're shoving shit in front of him. He's just signing it. And it's just ridiculous. See, that was him. I just start signs like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> that would be really fantastic. I'd buy that. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> The other thing is he mentioned the murder at midnight and then Power Wolf immediately just comes into my head and then I can't get that out of my head the rest of this goddamn movie. That's a good thing to have in your head. Power Wolf is amazing. Yes, they are, but I if just... You, if you like music that doesn't stink, 
Listen to Powerwolf. Yes, Powerwolf's my favorite band ever. And if you say they suck, well, so do you. The other thing is that annoyed me a bit was they're having this mosh pit. I, I think it was supposed to be a mosh pit, but it looked more like people were just kind of like flailing around. I was like, these people are all like high on acid or something, so they're just kind of like flopping and twitching. They're just and, bumping into each other. Yeah, and so I, all I could think is I was like, you're, I heard you said something to the effect of you were like, this is the saddest mosh pit I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah, and I saw one at Sonatartica. And that, I thought, was a sad mosh pit. But That was brutally violent compared to this. That was having Shelburne at Vakken crazy compared to this. Yeah, it was. And now maybe it wasn't supposed to be a mosh pit, but it felt like it was supposed to be, but it just wasn't. If you want to see a ridiculous mosh pit, look up Heaven Shall Burn at the Vakken Open Air Festival in Germany. I was in one of them. It was one of the circle pits where it's basically just running. Yes, it's just this massive circle pit with a big pit in the middle and people just crashing into each other. I don't know how I survived to this day. Obviously glad I did. Wouldn't do it again probably, but it was one hell of a cool experience to see my favorite band in that situation and scenario. So good. And then there's the time that I got, I was in a mosh pit and I think it was at Ailstorm and there was these two really, really big dudes that both hit me like at the same time and I were just knocked the wind out of me. I were just like crawl practically crawling away oh. from the mosh pit. I was like, oh no, this is probably the worst thing that could have happened in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. When you get the wind knocked out of you and you need to get out, that's difficult. Yeah. That was less than ideal. I've been there. It's not fun. That and the time they it was the first concert you and I went to and I went into the mosh pit for, for creator. creator and some dude grabbed my boobs and I was mad. Because I was like, no, the rules of the mosh pit say not to do this. Yeah, you don't fucking do that. You're an asshole if you do that. Accidental touch, whatever. I mean, it's we're all bumping into each other. It's gonna happen. Right. But, but it was. I fell backwards, and it very clearly was like a grab right there. And I was like, you dickwad. That's when you just want to do a quick back kick right to the. Gym. I was going to, but I just got thrown back into the pit, and you know mm-hmm. how a creator pit is. So yep. there's no way I was getting back up to that. I used to do so many mosh pits. I've gotten so old. I know. Well, I have probably why my back sucks. <laughs> yeah, same. Well, also mine from after I got my horse fell on me. Mm-hmm. I stopped doing them after that because I was like, my foot hurts so fucking bad all the time. Apparently now I have arthritis in my foot. Thanks, Shadrach. <laughs> it's not his fault. He tripped. But anyway, the other thing that annoyed me greatly in this movie was like their interpretation of like what a sanitarium would look like. I just fucking hated that they have all these people like doing the most stereotypical, quote-unquote, crazy things. I think it was meant to be, like, dialed up and over-the-top ridiculous, but, yeah, but it was it kind me. It wasn't funny, really. It was just kind of stupid. The only thing that was funny was the guy playing with the toy on the table, and the other guy took a shoe and smashed it. Like, that was funny. I could take that. But, like, the other people just kind of, like, wobbling around and being weird, and just like, this is nothing like what it would be. No. It's the various... Now, if you've seen the videos of the ones like that got shut down, yeah, there's weird stuff like that that happens at those because they have people that are just like running around naked because no one's taking care of them. And Mm -hmm. that's really sad. That was not the case here. These people were just, you know, actors that had never been in a sanitarium, apparently. Although they're not really called sanitariums anymore. Now it's... Is it just now mental hospital, mental health institution? I should know. I mean, I, th- I don't think a, mi- a movie named New Year's Evil was really trying to hit accuracy on this. No, I know. But then it's like, you know, you also have the stereotypical, and I wrote stereotypical hot smoking nurse, not smoking hot nurse, because she was literally <laughs> like in a short skirt, like smoking. And I was like, yep, this is the, you know, right into the 80s. This is what's mm-hmm. happening. And here comes Evil claiming to be a doctor or a, doctor a nurse or, or, nurse or whatever. He's, He's come help. to help. He's, He's come, come to help. To help. 
And he essentially seduces her and... Kills her. Kills her. Full penetration, but with a knife. Yeah. Oh, I, and I put, I was like, you think the sanitarium nurse would know crazy when she saw it, but... You'd think. Apparently There's... he'd been a patient there, so how recently was he a patient? Yeah, that's true. They, they, you never find out how or when, when he was a patient, so we don't know if it was a year ago, 30 years ago, who knows. The other thing that, this is just like my list of things that annoyed me in this movie, because like the more I wa- the more I thought about it, the more annoyed I got. Because like the police, basically, when she first comes to them with like, you know, she got this call that was really creepy and weird, and he acts like, oh, well, basically with this crowd you have, of course that's what happened. And it's just like, of course, this obviously the satanic panic hasn't really happened yet, but it's you can just feel it leading into that, and you can feel it leading to like all the bullshit with West Memphis 3, and it just ticked me off. So I was like, and not that it's like necessarily bad acting, bad movie script or anything like that. It just annoyed me and I just wanted to vent about that. Oh, for sure. And this is around the time leading up to the PMRC crap, which was in 85. This was coming, so this was already in the air. And just the dismissive attitude, yeah, that ticks me off a lot. And you got pieces of shit like Alan Tipper Gore trying to pull shit and then D. Snyder being the hero we needed but didn't really deserve at that point <laughs> no but my god, god did we god need bless him. you d snyder for being amazing yeah and that was that was the feeling at this time in this era there was a lot of fear around it and just fear mongering by really dumb fucking people who don't understand their ass from their elbow yeah and as we move through this movie evil keeps kind of changing his outfit one point you know he's a nurse orderly whatever at the sanitarium then he changes to some goofy looking prick in a mustache picking up a girl in a bar and that girl was so fucking annoying well, she goes on and on about meditation, and of course, then I'm like, man, it sucks. She's not going to live to see essential oils and gluten allergies, because you know that she would be just prime candidate for that. Prime anti-vax candidate, too. Probably. Her, when when she got it, didn't give a shit. I was actually rooting for him. It just shut Was there anyone the you gave up. a shit about? No, but this was one I was actually, like, I didn't care if they killed him or not. This one was like, just fucking end it. And he suffocates her with a plastic bag that supposedly had weed in it, which was really funny. Yeah. And then he tells them that, you know, that they are they were swingers or something like that. And, of course, mm-hmm. he puts them on a swing. And it's like, oh, it, it feels like this that is all. That was funny. I, yeah, I, but I, feel I, like I like that. I feel like a lot of this movie was like, he was kind of creative at the beginning. And then it goes to hell so fucking quickly, you know? Yeah, it gets boring as he goes along. And, of course, while he's trying to look for his next victim, he... Pisses off the Hell's Angels. I don't think it's, was, I don't, it's not actually the Hell's Angels. I don't think, but just that's a just a biker gang, just a general <laughs> biker gang. He's, he's dressed as a priest at this point, moving on to his next target. <laughs> I like that they flipped him off there for whatever reason. And he really finds he ends up going to like the drive-in and finds that girl. And her, I felt slightly bad for because she felt kind of like innocent in all of it. But again, I had no investment in her. But she gets to live, so she gets to be kind of our final girl, I guess. Kind of, yeah. I really, the real final girl was supposed to be Blaze, but still. But when she's, the one thing that, again, of my nitpicking of this movie is when she's trying to run, it is like a light fucking jog, and he's doing the same thing. And I realize he's supposed to be like the serial killer, or like, you know, like the Michael Myers, like, you know, walking real slowly and still somehow catching up. But why is she doing a light jog? It would have been better if they just did like a power walk or something ridiculous. It's like Malcolm in the Middle, where they do exactly. that, that, that walk racing thing. J- they just do. get that sleek, metal, the sleek helmet for aerodynamics and the suit that makes you look like a sperm and just go. 
Yeah, it seemed like everything was moving at a slow pace. Like when someone was trying to get away, they were just kind of lazily meandering around. Maybe everyone was high as a kite. I don't know. But it felt like in those scenes, there was not much of a sense of urgency and therefore it didn't really create any tension where you should have had a lot more of that. So I felt like that was really poorly directed. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, because she ends up living, he's failed to kill on mountain time, which is kind of like in the movie. They don't even like mention that. Like you realize Mm -hmm. that's happened, but like the cops and everyone else, like they just don't even, they're like, oh, I guess no one died. He didn't call in. Like, I guess he's broken his MO, even though his MO had two people, or three people before. Well, technically four because of Yvonne, Yvonne, but they don't know about Yvonne yet. So, but so the, of course the Lieutenant comes out and he's trying to like tell the crowd no one can leave and stuff. And they're just like nonstop being like basically a whole fuck the police without saying fuck the police. Yeah, go stop. We don't want, we don't care, pig. Blah, 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 blah. It's like I was surprised they were coherent enough to do that because when they're sitting there with their stupid mosh pit where they're just kind of just bumping into each other, they're always coherent enough to say fuck the police. Apparently, apparently, which, you know, credit to them, cool. But they certainly, I'm surprised they didn't slur everything they were saying i do like though that he, he like was acting like this real innocent priest and i was like ah this is before we knew about the molestations i guess <laughs> yeah. like if there had been young boys around then people Ooh. should have been far more concerned but oh, this would have gotten a lot worse yeah but this is also again this is 1980 so i don't think that really had come to light by then I mean, i'm sure it was happening but yeah a lot of those things happened i think like around the late 80s so at this point this was early 80s probably made late 70s so yeah those things really hadn't have come to light yet yeah but i'm sure it was happening oh fucking course probably it was happening, happening back centuries yeah sadly so then of course we but now like that we find out the husband's the killer and one of my favorite things he does though is he has the tape player and shows her basically that he's the killer by pressing like the playback and he's like instant replay miracle of modern technology <laughs> and like of course watching this 40 plus years later we're just like as I look at my Fitbit on my arm that I can talk to and tell it to turn on and off the lights in the house and mm-hmm. I'm just like yeah yep and when you find out he's the killer, it's, again, not really surprising. We were both on that trail already anyway. I, I hadn't seen any of the spoiler thing given the it thing away super it said, much it on said Wikipedia. Richard, quote-unquote, Evil Sullivan, and that's yeah. kind of what... I was like, wait a minute, wasn't the husband named Richard? I was like, there's no... And it happens to have the last name. I was like, it has to be the husband, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to spoil it for you because this movie was so wonderful and I couldn't spoil <laughs> such a magical movie. So we find out that, yeah, he's the killer. You get to the point where he goes over the whole thing with the wife and why he's doing it. And like we've mentioned, like, oh, my allowance. You, you've you emasculated me. You castrated me. <laughs> Cry me a fucking river, you bitch. What I thought was kind of creative, though, was the way he was going to kill the wife. He had finagled the controls for the elevator. And so he was able to stop and start it with shoving a wrench in there or something i think it was a screwdriver yeah and he finagled it where he got the elevator moved it up enough so he was able to chain her to the bottom of it he was gonna take it all the way to the top and drop it all the way to the bottom and crush her like if you're on the tower of terror and she's in the underneath the car except again it got really anticlimactic because the elevator was moving really fucking slow and I think they kept trying to make it look like it was moving fast, but even like when they're in the elevators, like her and the cop, and it's I guess it's supposed to be going down really fast, but 
it the way they did it just felt like it was going so slowly that I was like, and they act like they practically passed out at the bottom, and I was like, it wasn't going that fast. I just I I don't understand. This entire movie is Austin Powers driving the steamroller. That's what it is. Oh my god, it's so true. But like, of course, once we find out that it's him and he's like trying to like chain her up to shit, I'm just like kick him in the nuts. Go for the eyes. There's a lot you could be doing right now. And she had long nails. I'm like, you know, go for the eyes. She did nothing. And like all I could think of, of course, with half of this was when he was complaining about everything, about like, you know, like all the women have wronged him and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like thinking of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. He's like, punish. <laughs> Naughty. Naughty. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Again, that's just making me laugh. Punish. <laughs> but I just don't understand what set him off. Like, it just feels like out of the blue, this dude was just like, mad about everything yeah he was mad all right and the son was mad and it's just like i guess that they meant it to be like again that it was building up to this like you know in the sense of like you know over time this just pissed him off but he's talks about like of all the women i've been with and blah 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 like you're just like all of them they've had to be together for probably over 20 years i know i said this already but i just want to reiterate it that i don't understand like how this is now just becoming a problem like how many women were you truly with before her? He didn't look that old. He looked like he was maybe 40. Maybe. So, like, the kid's 20. You probably had this given your, like, what were you, like, couple high school relationships before this? I don't know. I mean, this That's guy, just a big plot flaw for me. There's a lot of those in this flick. And I think he had a Richard Nixon mask on, didn't he? It looked like a Richard Nixon mask. I don't know if mask. it was supposed to be, but that's what I thought of, too. Yeah, it was a clown, so it was definitely Richard Nixon. Yeah. But he, um, the way it ends is the cops show up while he's trying to crush her in the elevator. They start to get into a shootout, and they chase him up to the roof. He puts the mask on, and he drops the line that I read earlier, which is, of course, from Hamlet. But of course, when we're watching this, I say it that I'm like, I'm like, was that just Shakespeare he quoted? And you're like, I'm not sure. And then I was like, I have something to admit to you. I know that that was Shakespeare, but not because I know Shakespeare that well, but I remember it from Billy Madison. <laughs> <laughs> Die. I was to say something like that. Oh, I love that movie. Oh boy, yeah. So, and then, and then, of course, the sun comes running out. He does the header off the roof. Yeah. So he's he lays. He looks like he's supposed to be splat, but he's just kind of looks fully formed and fine. Yeah. And After then they more, go like, back down. There's stores. blood everywhere, but like. But then the sun comes and like is like hugging him and stuff, and they takes pull, the mask off. Well, no, no, but then they pull the sun away. And they're like, give him some room. I'm like, he's dead. Yeah. Why does he need room? He's dead. If he he's ceases not dead, to be. Then, yeah, if, if he's not dead, then this guy's like Myers and all the other serial killers. It's like Bruce Willis just... and Unbreakable. Yeah. You know? Exactly. But yeah, he, the kid grabs the mask. Apparently the mother is alive. She's going in the ambulance. Guess who the driver is? Richard Nixon himself. Exactly. He's back. It's the head of Richard Nixon from Futurama. <laughs> And all I could think of is then the kid's probably sitting there and he's looking, punish! Punish! It's like the, the younger brother now is like the one doing it. Yeah. So he's driving the ambulance and, and they see we, the other, the ambulance driver is dead in the passenger seat. But then we hear that it's going to be midnight in Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, we didn't forget Hawaii, I guess. At least we included Hawaii. I know. Fuck Alaska, apparently. Apparently. Isn't Hawaii like six hours? Yes. Something crazy. So like, I was like, I don't think... Between midnight there, three hours have passed. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they did a good calculation of time at this point in the movie. I don't think they got a good calculation of what a script should look like. Yeah, it was pretty disjointed. 
Yeah. I but think we that, can move on to our ratings. Yeah, I was going to say, let's go ahead and get into our ratings because it's like, what, 3 a.m.? Nope, it's 2.38. Yeah, we watched this one relatively late, folks. I don't need sleep. What the hell's that? I know, right? So for my overall, I'm going to give it a two. It's not like the worst, but I just can't push it up to a three. I just, I feel like it was like, there's too many things that annoyed me that I feel like it was fun to riff, but that doesn't make it a good movie, you know? And that's all I really have to say about it. I've already ranted about why I didn't like it. I'll agree. I'll give it a two. I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. I had moments that I did enjoy, thoroughly actually enjoy in this movie, but it just was very few and far between. And with the amount of quality slashers that were coming out at this point, this was the heyday of the, the emergence of the slasher film. This one is definitely no classic. No. So I think a two is fair. It's definitely not a one. It's not total trash. It has its cheesy moments, but you might enjoy it. I'd say it's absolutely worth giving it a shot. Watch it once. Most likely, I don't think you're going to watch it a second time, but you're not going to hate yourself for watching it once. So give it a go. I'm going to give it a one for scary. It, this was not scary in any way, shape, or form. There's not even jump scares. Agreed. Uh, this didn't scare me at all, really. Even the way he was approaching all these women, the stuff that he killed, it was just really kind of haphazard, sloppy. The chase scenes were like they were in slow motion. Like Even like the slow motion $6 million man slow motion looked fast compared to this. <laughs> and that was done for dramatic effect. This was just not done well how'd you think for music and sound i'm gonna say for me i will give that a solid three a lot of the music was not that bad it's is it the greatest of this era no because this is when maiden and priest were coming around and a lot of the new wave of british heavy metal which they tried to pull it off as kind of a punk thing but it sounded a lot more like rock and roll and like the early like 70s version of priest-ish kind of thing with some of it. The Made in Japan band sounded much more like they're trying to be a bad imitation of The Clash or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was going to go with a three as well, mainly because I liked a lot of the music with that. The one thing that's going to hurt it a bit for me is like some of the stabs and stuff like that, just like the sounds it made were just so terrible that I was like, it just didn't even sound like a stab. It was like clunk, clunk. Yeah, the effects weren't that great. And you have other comparable movies from this era that did a much better job on those kinds of things. So Yeah, and like for effects, when we go into that, I consider the sound and the effects can kind of go hand in hand. And music and sound design, I feel like that the sound design itself for the effects can kind of base my rating on that a little bit. So that's why I give it a three. If it weren't, if it, they did a better job with like a lot of the sound, maybe it would have jumped up to a four because I did like the music, but... Gonna go with a three. I think that's pretty fair. And then, for, speaking of effects, if you want to jump into effects for us, I'll say effects were about a two. Yeah, it's kind of what I was feeling too. It's not a one. One is absolute trash. This was not absolute trash. It one just is wasn't birdemic. Great. One is birdemic or saw. This is okay. No, 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 no. Saw has a, you can hate the effects. Like you can hate the movie. But the effects are realistic enough. Saw's a negative one, at least, at best, in every category. I roll my eyes. That torture you know, porn trash can go fuck itself. I don't like to- I don't like the. I don't like torture porn, but I also feel like that if you're going to be reviewing and rating stuff, you need to be fair with them. I will admit an extreme negative bias with those movies. Yeah, which is why we're not reviewing them. Oh, it'd be really funny though if we did. 
I feel like if we reviewed them, I'd have to like work really hard on doing a, like a really valid review while you just sit there and like rip it apart for everything. Mm-hmm. That will be much later if we decide to delve into that. And for gore, I was going to just do it too. Cause I feel like one is there's just nothing whatsoever. There was blood, but it was so minimal. Yeah, it was pretty minimal. You'd see some of the bodies and whatnot, and they were cut up and cert- cut in certain ways, like throat well, slash, well, the funny cut by is, the boob on one woman. The one thing is they said like that he like mutilated their boobs. I didn't see any actual mutilation of the boobs. This like, one had like a deep gash on it. But, but it was like above it, the boob yeah. area. And like it was mostly seemed like it was like the throats being cut, unless it's just they weren't showing it, I guess was the idea. But They're not Dennis Reynolds, apparently. Good Lord. Was that what you were feeling too, though, was a two? For gore, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a two. It's teetering close to a one, honestly. Yeah. There's not a there's a couple scenes here and there, but it's not overt. And overall, just again for this movie, I feel like when Kramer decided he didn't like Festivus anymore, he's like, "Sorry, Frank, this this movie's just a out there." Yep, this movie's just no. It's, yeah. That's not great. It's not one. Yeah, I feel like I had like some fun while watching it, and then the more I thought about it, the more annoyed I got with stuff that I was like, no, not this. No, I don't like this. No, not this. And I maybe it's because I'm tired and I'm just in a mood. But When a movie devolves to the point where you're just riffing it, and you're not getting a lot of redeeming qualities out of it, like there are movies you can just make fun of that are a great time, but this, this it just fell flat for us. Yeah, for sure. Well, I we're think very, we can end it there. Yeah, for sure. So with that, thanks for listening to our amateur ramblings pretending that we're professional reviewers or something so we are not a professional no so until next time this has been we all pod down here i'm Brittany, and i'm dan bye thank you for listening don't forget to rate review and subscribe our logo was designed by emmanuel arroyo our website is weallpoddownhere.com Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid.